I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your, Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Huh, all right, Madigan. Well, we just spent the last 10 minutes or so talking about your great adventure this week with your yeah. pupper. Um, so if our listeners don't know, Madigan did share to our stories thing. Uh, I sure did. Uh, your puppy, Penny, I mean, she's not really a puppy puppy anymore, but she still feels like a puppy to me. She oh, yeah. had quite, she's the, our baby. quite the adventure yesterday. She She sure did. She scared me and Max... To death. Um, it was the worst thing. It was the worst five and a half hours of my entire life. Our little girl slipped out of her collar, got spooked, and ran down a busy street. I have no idea how she crossed some of those busy intersections without getting hit or having any or any other animal come up to her or anything. Or any other person. Because if I see a dog running around in the street, especially like without a collar or anything... Like, yeah. I'm like, Anthony, pull over. Like, we got to go yeah. get this dog. You know what I mean? I've done this. I've done the same thing. I wonder if maybe she was too, like, scared, scared. or anything mm-hmm. to go near people. But we think that she was probably running around for about two, two and a half hours or so because someone on next door, thankfully, posted a picture of her laying in a stairwell. We think that because she really, really hurt her paws. She... Got a couple of her dew claws removed, and her the pads of her feet are like mangled. It was horrible. They were so bloody, and she just found this stairwell, a shady, cool spot, 
and laid there for like two and a half hours. Yeah, I mean, said. and I was telling you, yesterday was so hot. Anthony and I yeah. drove down to walk the streets for to look for her, and I was yeah. we were walking for a little while, and I was like, oh my god, it is so hot out here. Like we were sweating. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad that and she I found had the some stomach shade. flu. Yeah. I still had the stomach flu when I was looking. I Thankfully, the last time I went out, I think I was done puking, but I was still like so nauseous. I hadn't eaten. I mean, I was empty and I hadn't eaten since like the dinner the night before. So I, I was fully going on adrenaline. I was hot and felt like I was going to pass out. Um, but yeah, I, I'm so thankful that she's home. She's doing okay. She's in a lot of pain. She's very cute because she's she's on she's got like anti-anxiety meds and her pain meds so she's she gets kind of glassy-eyed and cuddly and she's all bandaged Um, all four of her paws yeah yeah she can't really walk on the hardwood floor very well she slips and can't really get a grip she wanted to lay on the ground last night and then max and i went and had dinner in the next room and she started crying because she couldn't get up so we had to like pick her up and get her back on the couch she couldn't get her grip on the hardwood floor to stand i just want to say you know, I said it to you earlier. I hope this is a lesson to Penny Lane not to run yep. away. You got a pretty good at home. It's a pretty cushy, comfortable life with people who love you. Don't run away. I know. I know. And Keegan reminded me that I think it was like a week ago that I was like, my dog doesn't run away because she literally every time she's gotten loose from us, she'll like maybe run in circles around us, but then she doesn't leave our it side. It was literally I was, the last time we recorded, last week. I know. You were like, I know. You were like, Dorothy will run off, but Penny never runs off. And then this week you were like, oh no, Penny ran off. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I think she got spooked. There was, yeah. we've got these five little dogs that live upstairs. They were outside. Um, so I think that there was enough commotion going on that she just fled. Yeah. And wasn't even thinking about it and then probably didn't know where she was. But I, I mean, Max was out looking for the first half of the day and I just pulled a couch cushion onto the floor and I opened my door. So I just had the screen door and I just laid there with Dorothy hoping that she would like come home, pop up into the door. And I did all the online stuff while Max was running around. Our friend Kate made posters that we luckily never had to make um, or use. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, exactly. We never. Well, she never even had to make them. She oh, sent me okay, the file yeah. and was like, "Is this good?" And I was like, "We don't need it anymore." We, we thought know, about but- that after we left the house because we have a printer now at home, and I'm like, "We could have printed things ourselves because we, you know, we were asking people as we were walking around, like, have you seen a dog? Like, this is just yeah." And everybody would be like, "No, but I'll keep my eyes open." And I'm like, "Okay, thank you, but also like, you don't have our contact information, so <laughs> exactly, yeah, it makes it tough, but." Um, yeah, thankfully we never needed it. Thank you to Cindy who found her and kept an eye on her and was so sweet. She had a little dog of her own, so Penny was safe with the dog lover. And yeah, we're just, we're so emotional still, and I'm exhausted. I'm sure Max is exhausted too. It was, I bet. I don't know how parents of missing human children do it, how they go on. I really don't, because it was terrifying absolutely terrifying yesterday so thank you to everybody who reposted and reached out to me I had a lot of listeners that messaged me and said very sweet things so I really really appreciate you guys caring so much and understanding how you know our our furry babies really are our babies yeah you know they are they are and it is really hard um speaking of thank yous I want to give a thank you to everybody I finished putting the ipsy bags hygiene kits together this weekend 
Uh, and I have 145 completed bags. I have a giant box. I, we bought a big box wow. from Box City. I have a giant box full of bags, and I actually have some that I didn't use. So I'm keeping those. I'm going to do this again next year. I have those bags, and then I have 15 bags of pads that are unopened that I didn't even <laughs> put into bags that I'm just yeah. going to donate the unopened bags as well. Perfect. Those will probably go to a shelter um, for our unhoused community here in Los Angeles. So I know that there were a lot of listeners who reached out. A lot of people sent things. And I just want to give a really big thank you because that is going to go to an outreach this week. So thank you all so much. And look out for that next year because I think I'm just going to do this once a year keep it going maybe i'll do it in a different city or a different you know for a different city or for a different state well and thank you for doing it like i think it's such i you know i've thought about that for so many years and been like i want to do that and i never did anything about it so the fact that you followed through with it and you got 145 bags filled with things i think is amazing so thank Thank you for doing that really restores my faith in people because the amount of people who wanted to come out who bought things spent their hard-earned money on somebody else to make someone's experience on this planet just a little bit easier made me feel so much better because I know that you and I were about to talk about the news you and I (laughs) spend a lot of time reading the news and it can get really easy to start thinking that you know everybody sucks and that's not the case yeah so it isn't yeah and I mean hey that was probably the biggest thing I learned yesterday too is just the sense of community in the world and the kindness of strangers going so far so man we are feeling all the love feeling good feeling good we're feeling good well we're about to not feel so good because there was oh we've got some pretty sad stuff to discuss this week i'm assuming that you probably have notes on this as well i don't think so okay well we had a few listeners reach out saying that they really really wanted us to cover this so we are going to do our best to discuss this um i don't have all of the information on everything it seems like there's a lot of things that are still unfolding there's a lot of historical stuff that i learned that i don't know if i'm going to be able to get fully into right now but there were 215 children, the remains of children, found Mm. at a former boarding school in Canada this week. All of these children were indigenous Mm -hmm. children. Residential school. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I am going to try to pronounce this the best that I can. I tried to write it out phonetically in the best way possible, so I'm sorry if I butcher it, but it was the Tikamloops Sekopen First Nation announced last week that they had found the remains of 215 children, some as young as three years old, buried at the site of Kamloops Indian Residential School, once Canada's largest boarding schools to separate children from their families and culture. So between 1831 and 1996, Canada's residential school system forcibly separated children from their families and subjected them to horrendous abuse, rape, and malnutrition in boarding homes, according to the group tasked to investigate this, the Truth and Reconciliation Committee. Yeah, and this kind of thing happened in the United States as well. I know that the residential school system in Canada is specific and unique to Canada, uh, but the same kind of thing, the same kind of 
reprogramming, for lack of a better word, that w- they well, tried to do this cultural and they're calling destruction. It culture. They were calling it cultural genocide. genocide. Yeah. Yeah, because that they were trying to remove the indigenous culture mm-hmm. from their land. So Chief Roseanne Casimir of the nation said on Friday that ground-penetrating radar had discovered the remains near the site of Kamloops Indian Residential School, which operated from 1890 until the 1970s. They had been told previously that there were only 51 deaths by that same, um, that first group that I mentioned called... Um, where is it? Truth and Reconciliation Committee originally said that there were 51 deaths, but the First Nation was sure that there were more, and they've actually spent the last 20 years trying to find them, and it was just recently that the government granted them the money to pay for the ground-penetrating radar. Most of these schools were operated by churches, and then a lot of times later on purchased by the federal government. Yeah, I mean... I stand by everything we literally just said about human kindness and that yeah. I think that there is more of it than we sometimes think that there is, but it is still ever present how horrible people are capable of being to each other. And specifically, yeah. you know, people are capable of being to people who are other than them. And then for it to happen to children is just so... It just seems unfathomable to yeah. people like you and I that this yeah, could happen. I mean, it's this sad idea that, you know, trying to wipe away the culture of these children in order for the next generation not to be able to carry on those traditions is really, it's, it's evil. It's evil what they're doing. Right. What, I mean, what they're doing is evil. And then on top of what they're doing, which is bad enough, they uh-huh. then don't even provide them with the safety and security that they would have gotten had they stayed home with their parents or likely exactly. likely would have gotten been given and kindness, you know. Because they were probably seen as less human. You know, it's, it's the same as, you know, when we talk about concentration camps and all these other things. That if you're seen as different, you're seen as less human. And it would make it easier for people to be cruel Mm -hmm. and you know people in the community were so confused there's someone named Geraldine Bob who was a former student told the commission that the staff members would just start beating you and lose control and hurl you against the wall throw you on the floor kick you punch you and other children who would see their friends just disappearing would say one day your friend would be gone and you had no idea if they would be back or not um in 2015 the archbishop issued a letter repeating the archdiocese apology for the role the church played in the federal government's residential <laughs> school policy. Yeah, it was the order that was running that particular school was an order called the Oblates of Mary Immaculate. So is this ran, a Catholic? This is okay. a Catholic mm-hmm. ordinance, yeah, and they ran the school until 1969 when the federal government took it over, but then the school actually closed in 1970, and they say that it's now a memorial Um, So updates on what's happening right now with the excavation and everything. They're saying it's going to take a long time to excavate and identify and return the remains of these children to their families for a proper burial. But that is the incentive right now to take their time and 
get to the bottom of this. Um, in response to the news, gestures of solidarity showed up across Canada, with one of the most documented being the leaving of empty shoes in front of legislatures, churches, and public buildings, which I'm sure, or I hope, that you've seen images of this mm-hmm. on social media and such this week. It's incredibly heartbreaking, incredibly moving. Um, and again, I'm glad that people are paying the respect that is needed to these children who lost their lives. And Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had flags on federal buildings lowered to half-mast, as have many other Canadian leaders. You know, it's just, I get really upset because how many lives have we lost to white supremacy and how many lives have we lost to religion? Like, Seriously, at this point, too many. It's and it's it's upsetting to me, especially as someone who grew up as a religious person, and I've seen a lot of kindness in people from the church. And I'm not here to disparage anybody who finds Definitely, comfort yeah. or solace in religion. I get it. I do get it. But at the same time, speaking specifically because this is an instance of um, abuse by the Catholic Church, how how many of these? are we going to have to listen to how many cases of these egregious acts that are done or sanctioned by church officials that have had devastating consequences? Um, oftentimes to children, are we going to have to suffer? Like, you know, yeah. it's just, and, and, and at this point, the, those apologies, they just seem so empty. Like they just seem so hollow and meaningless because it doesn't well, really right. bring back, I wouldn't feel okay if that was a family member of mine. And I'm sorry. It's like, thank you for finally recognizing that this happened on like a global scale. I think that's the thing is that there has to be recognition. It would be worse if they didn't say anything at all. You know, I I think that I, I understand where you have to come forward and apologize, even if you weren't around when it happened. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else has to accept that apology, but I do think it's important that they said something and recognized sure. that it's bad. I mean, although it feels hollow, although they may, may not even mean it, I would rather have them face what they've done and admit it. You know, I think about with the quote-unquote comfort women that we discussed, how there is just such a lack of acknowledgement in the pain that they've caused. Sure. If I will at least say that I'm glad that something was said But more than anything, I know that these atrocities in some way, shape or form still happen in the Catholic Church. And I know they still happen in so many other parts of our country and our world, in other organizations and other groups. And I want to know what we can do to prevent this from happening. What can we do to protect the children? I I don't think speaking from this perspective of religion, you know, specifically talking about the Catholic Church, I don't think anything will change. Within no, the because Catholic it should church. have already. It uh, should have. Because the church is invested in covering it up. I think that's why the apology rings very hollow to me. Exactly. Um, it's the same thing that I feel whenever I, feel, I, I hear about law enforcement agencies kind of doing similar stuff. It's like when you're caught, then you have somebody release a statement saying that you're sorry that this happened and you take responsibility or whatever. But it's like, no, you don't. Because when know, this stuff... what else still, do you do? I, I get... Well, what you do is if you are in the church, you actively work to make sure that when 
things like this happen when there are police when there are priests who are molesting boys that they don't just get right or girls or children or anybody that they don't just get moved, moved from around. church yeah. to church because it's in the best interest of your organization to cover it up right. and deny justice for as long as possible until you get caught with something like thank yeah. you for apologizing but at the same time if it's the same way I feel about police if there is not structural change coming from the top that changes what's happening on the way down then what what does it matter because like yeah, yes what's the point? this specific thing isn't happening anymore right residential schools have been shut down however it's similar evolved. things continue to happen all the time yeah. and like i need to see that you are actively working or doing your part if you are in the church to ensure that this kind of thing does not happen again and that you're holding people accountable you know, that's yeah. what's most important. These people need to be yep. held accountable because this is it's it's despicable. It's it's so 215 sad. children. Yeah, it's 215 too many. It is an absolute catastrophe. Yeah. 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 Oh. Well, I hope that I covered it well enough. I've had some Canadian listeners reach out to me where I'm sure they have much more of an understanding of all of this than I do, but I've really been trying to do my best to keep an eye on that this week. And both of our hearts go out to the indigenous communities. Absolutely. And I I will say right now that it will go on our list uh, to do an episode about residential schools because there is so much to be discussed there. Um, Yes. You know, it's a, it's a deep issue. We would love to talk about it more thoroughly in the future for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Well, what do you have for us today, Keegan? Well, mine is not as sad as that. <laughs> okay. Well, we're get it. We're going to have to slowly improve through the episode. Right. So I wanted to talk about the fact that Biden announced the National Month of Action, basically talking about additional steps that his administration wants to take to try and get us to 70% of adults who have at least one COVID-19 shot by the 4th of July. So last Wednesday, he made an announcement. He said it's going to take everyone, everyone, the federal government, the state government, local, tribal, and territorial governments, private sector, and most importantly, the American people. I assume these are all American people, but all right. To get All this right. 70% mark so we can declare our independence from COVID-19 and free ourselves from the grip it has held over us, our lives, for the better part of a year. I hate... Great wording, Mr. President. Great wording. I kind of hate it. Like, I rolled my eyes about that so much because he's like, we're going to have this done by the 4th of July and declare our independence from COVID. And I'm like, okay, listen, who Give wrote... me a fucking break. Which one of your yeah. speech writers wrote that for you, <laughs> No. Okay. Um, he went on to say that getting vaccinated is not a partisan act. Thank you so much, yeah. Joe Biden, because you're right, it is not. And Joe Biden. The month of action includes a partnership. This I thought was funny, and I thought you might appreciate. Includes oh a partnership with Anheuser Busch that could mean free alcohol for every American 21 years of age or older. Yeah! <laughs> Anheuser-Busch, <laughs> which is a national brewer, it produces Budweiser, it announced Wednesday it was going to give away free alcohol if the nation reaches Biden's goal to have 70% of U.S. adults receive at least one dose by July 4th. It's, All right, everyone. I know. Look, you know what you got to do. And <laughs> I, I thought about this and I was like, God, that's might be 
it's kind of touchy for people maybe struggling with alcohol addiction. Right, right, right. But they did say that they will buy America's next round of beer, seltzer, non-alcoholic beverage, or other Anheuser-Busch product to those there who are 20, 21 and up who upload a picture of themselves at their favorite bar or restaurant. That's how you enter to win. But how will they know that you're vaccinated? I, I don't think that they will. I think that the incentive is they are only going to offer this if we oh, reach the Oh, if you're 70. inside a bar, right. then you have to be... I understand. Well, that's a really good point. I mean, well, but bars aren't checking your vaccination papers either. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. But I think it's more of... The push here is to make sure that we reach herd immunity, right? And we have not right. reached herd immunity as of yet. So... I want to... Can I interject really mm-hmm. quick? Because you actually told me something oh, about... Yes. Was it your family member or Anthony's mm-hmm. family member? Anthony's that uncle. wanted Tell that story because I love it so much. Uh, Okay, so I was going to (laughs) talk about this not last week, but the week before, I think, because Ohio, who I will talk about in just a moment, Ohio started its Vaximillion campaign, which was basically Uh that they are going to, I think it's five, they're going to give away $5 million uh, to five lucky winners if you... And and to be eligible, you have to be vaccinated, right? Right. So Anthony went home, and God bless him. I'm not going to call him out by name. He knows who he <laughs> is. But Anthony went home to visit his family, and his uncle, who is a 60-year-old man, he they were out at a restaurant, and uh-huh. he said, oh, I'm about to join you. I have my vaccination appointment next week. So he hadn't been vaccinated, by the way, and he's at this oh, restaurant. okay, yeah. Right. And they were like, why didn't you, like, you're 60, like, you've been eligible to get the vaccine yeah, for like, a long time. Yeah, like, why haven't you done it? And he said he didn't do it because he wasn't going to be vaccinated until this Vaximillion thing happened. And he wanted to be eligible to win a million dollars. So he got vaccinated. And it, listen, I understand that at the end of I the mean, day. I mean, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and you know who won, actually? Because they won, I think, last week. Uh, it was a 22-year-old girl who was on her way to purchase a used car. She's the one who won the first million. So Love it. Good for her. But so, yeah, his uncle didn't want to do it until this incentive program started. And it, I understand that it is net positive for more people to get vaccinated. We need to reach right. herd immunity. I understand that's why these incentive programs are coming about. And at the end of the day, it's a positive thing. However, it made me so mad because I was just like, look, if you don't, clearly you don't have some kind of deep reason for moral reason for right. not being vaccinated. So, it's just about the money. So why didn't you do it before? Like if there was no real reason, if it didn't, if you didn't object to it on some kind of like deeply moral ground, then why wouldn't you have just done it? Because it was the right thing. Why did it have to right. be Right. Well, you said that he was waiting for this million thing, but I'm wondering if... Well, he didn't know. I mean, how did he know? I mean, that's the thing. It's like he couldn't have been waiting for that if that wasn't a thing all along. Right, right. Yeah, it's, but if he, you're not morally objecting to it, why aren't you doing it? I completely agree. He just would wouldn't have gotten vaccinated is the thing. He just wouldn't have gotten vaccinated. He only got vaccinated because there was an incentive for him to get vaccinated, which almost makes me more angry than the people who 
really do like true anti-vaxxers who are like yeah because at least they have some kind of integrity i know that that's a twisted way of thinking about it because at the end of the day we want everyone (laughs) to get vaccinated that's that's the goal and we, but I, but it's that it's that infuriating thing where it's like, well, if you're not against it, then why the then fuck just do, not it do it? Because it's the right thing for everyone for you to do it, and there shouldn't yeah. have to be anything in it for you. And it just makes me mad. But yeah, anyway, whatever. He got vaccinated. It's all good. <laughs> uh, there are also new vaccination incentives that Biden has announced, including four of the nation's largest child care providers will be offering free child care from now until July 4th for Americans wow. who have gotten the COVID-19 vaccine. That's huge. It's huge. Yes. So he said kinder care and learning care group locations across the nation will offer free drop in care to support Americans getting vaccinated. And more than 500 YMCAs will offer drop in care during vaccination appointments. Bright Horizons will also provide free child care to support more than 10 million workers employed at participating organizations. Wow. Also, I know that mm-hmm. um, Uber is doing a free ride for people who can't get to the vaccine mm-hmm. sites themselves, which I think is really great. There's all kinds of stuff. Like I think in New York, Shake Shack is offering something. Krispy awesome. Kreme is offering something. And starting next week, thousands of pharmacies, including Albertsons, CVS, Rite Aid and Walgreens, will stay open late every Friday in June in order to allow Americans to get vaccinated. Now. Awesome. So this all sounds pretty good. Right conservatives and anti-vaxxers mm. are pissed about well, incentives they, about the incentives like they're mad yeah, about the incentives because yeah, they, so, they don't want the people that are maybe on the fence or the people that will give into an incentive to give into it they want more people on their side so if there's more incentive they're worried they're going to lose their their numbers you know but they are taking some pretty drastic steps so republicans oh, no. in the general Republicans in the state general assembly in Ohio are pushing sweeping legislation to weaken Ohio's vaccination laws. This is a response to um, Mike DeWine, who's the governor of Ohio, his Vaximillion mm-hmm. plan. So for and this is for all vaccines, not just for COVID-19. So on May 26th, anti-vaccination activists crammed into the House Health Committee hearing room to testify in support of House Bill 248. The legislation would ban vaccine requirements on customers, employees, or students from businesses, hospitals, nursing homes, K-12 through schools, colleges, daycares, and others. It would also prevent governments, insurers, or businesses from offering incentives to people to get vaccinated or even requesting that people get vaccinated. So you would not even be able to say you need to be vaccinated to do anything. You wouldn't be able right. to bring it up at all. And we're not just talking about COVID-19. We're talking about any vaccination. Any vaccine. Right. So under the bill, a small business owned by someone who is asthmatic or a cancer survivor, both of whom are at higher risk of serious COVID-19 complications, would have no legal right to require or even request that employees or customers who come inside be vaccinated. So if you are high risk, you have no legal right to tell somebody that they can't come into your business. Yeah. Which is madness. That is madness because they're... From what I understand, it's kind of been like, you know, once the mask mandate or whatever is lifted, it's still up to individual stores and businesses to say whether or not they want you to wear masks or not. Right. I mean, and so much about what conservatives have been upset about with these statewide mandates, right, with social distancing mandates and 
small businesses being closed down is that it infringes upon the right of the business owner to make decisions like having that you have to have mask mandates inside and things like that. And like this really infringes upon the right of a business. How ironic. Right. And they would be making this decision in the interest of their own health. You know what I mean? And you're saying they're not even allowed to request it. I highly doubt that this will pass, but it is just kind of, it was wild to me the lengths that someone would go to to try and stop other people from getting vaccinated. Yeah. It's wild to me. I'm amazed that the anti-vax movement has even become what it has. Like, I, I remember years, probably like 10 years ago, when I first started kind of hearing about all that being like, well, you're in the minority. Like, you're fucking crazy. Like, what? That's insane. I can't believe that it's become, I mean, COVID-19, I think, was like, everything they could have hoped for, you know, in that movement to be able to, like, get their word back out there. I just can't believe that there are so many people out there. Social media really pushed things really far. And celebrities started hopping on the bandwagon and opening their big mouths, Jenny McCarthy, you know, and it was just like, yeah, I feel like it had a really negative effect. But the reason why we're trying to get to 70% is so that we can reach herd immunity. It is important in order for us to feel truly safe being out maskless around people without you right. know engaging in the same kind of social distancing that we have been for the last year. We can't just trust that everyone around us is vaccinated. So we right. at least need to make it to that 70% mark. And the CDC shows that 12 states have met Biden's the Biden administration's goal to have 70% of adults with at least one dose of the vaccine. California, hi, and Maryland feeling. <laughs> recently joined Connecticut, Hawaii, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Vermont. And right. at this moment, the CDC shows that 62.8% of the U.S. adult population has received at least one dose and nearly 41% of the total population is fully vaccinated. So we are on our way. So I understand that these incentives exist for one final push in that direction to try and make it happen. So and hey, if that's what some people need, I guess it's fine, I guess. I mean, I'm not thrilled about it, but you know what? If that's what it's going to take to get us to herd immunity, to get us back to normal. Yeah. I'm here for it. I mean, if businesses are willing to spend their money on doing something like that, I say go for it. So we're not going to have time to really get into this, but I wanted to mention it because I have a feeling that a lot of our listeners have seen this this week. Um, And that is the picture of Ellie Kemper. Oh, those were my notes. I had oh. Hold on. Oh, I have a ton of notes on it. I don't think we're going to be able to get into it, but I I needed to mention it. But she was crowned uh, the Veiled Prophet Queen of Love and Beauty in 1999 at a ball in St. Louis. And Google the Veiled Prophet Queen of Love and Beauty because we're not going to be able to get into it. But it was started by a former Confederate officer and his brother that historically excluded black and Jewish people until 1979. Um, And it's essentially it was started as a way to keep the the power and the money with the rich white people in St. Louis. It was to celebrate the richest and the most established influential people in St. Louis, and Ellie 
came from a very wealthy and influential banking family in St. Louis. And she's even said herself that she had a very privileged, nice, warm childhood. Um, So in the 19, I think they said in 1970, yeah, in 1979, they started to allow black and Jewish people into the group. Why any black person would want to join this group? Because that only happened after a lot of civil rights protesting in order for that to happen. Protests. Yeah. And I think it was just so that that would end. I don't think that there are a lot of black or Jewish people that would want to spend their time with a group like this. But I think it was just to kind of like end that exclusion they did make a a statement you know saying you know we are we are dedicated to ending racism and blah 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 blah, bullshit whatever um they've changed their name to try to kind of distance themselves from the whole thing but ellie kemper is now being called the kkk princess Um, i mean this was not affiliated with the kkk no it it wasn't (laughs) and I will say, if you look up old, I, I went and I went down a rabbit hole of like looking up old pictures and old drawings. It's this gross. Is, this is prior to the KKK, right? So this is before the KKK. But the mm-hmm. outfits are V similar. Like it's pointed hoods. For face, real. Face covered pointed hoods. It looks very similar. And this is gross to me just because I think that the classism alone outside of the blatant racism is gross. We don't need more things that celebrate rich people. They're rich. That's your prize. Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. Congratulations. Um, So it's, it's very gross. However, I'm, I'm willing to give Ellie Kemper the benefit of the doubt in this situation because she was a teenager and yeah. I think at that age, this was probably looked at more as something that was you got to be a pretty princess and go win a pageant. I don't necessarily yeah. think I that mean, it, she was thinking about the political, socioeconomical, civil. But at the same time, <laughs> if you look at what we talked about earlier this year, I don't know if I talked about it with you, but I know I talked about it with the Date Card podcast when they were guests on our show while you were gone but if you look at Rachel Kirkconnell from The Bachelor this past season and she went to an antebellum ball when she was still I think she was 19 or 20 sure you know I I I do think that's different I think it's different because by the time Ellie Kemper was crowned the veiled whatever queen I it wasn't it wasn't it an overtly it wasn't an overtly racist society, right? Like it has extremely racist underpinnings. If you go to an antebellum party and you dress up in a Southern Belle outfit at a yeah, plantation where people were enslaved in 2018, which is yeah. a long time away from 1999. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I, I think the other thing that's rubbing me the wrong way is that this has been talked about for days now, and I haven't seen anything about her making that a does statement. Bother me. Yeah, or um, you know, stating that she works hard to be anti-racist, anything like that. The fact that there's been no statement from her is troubling to me. It makes me I agree. think that she's waiting for this to blow over. I agree with and that. And I don't like that. I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I think her privilege might be showing, and she said so herself in 2017, that sure. she's very privileged. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that's all we have time for. I'm sure that we could go on and on about any of these topics. I wanted to bring up really quick, because I finally finished two pieces. They're taking me forever. I'm going to show Keegan. You guys can't see it. But I am doing... 
pride oh, very themed cool. embroidery. So I'm showing Keegan one that I is an interpretation of the um, trans pride flag. So I didn't want to make it too obvious. So I did kind of a cool kind of marbling thing on it. I want to put them up on Etsy during Pride Month. I wanted to have a bunch done. They're taking me way longer than I thought. So I only have two ready, but I want to put them up and have them be available. I want to make more embroidery projects, but particularly for Pride Month, I'd love to get some of these out there. Keep an eye out. And happy start of Pride. Yeah. Happy Pride Month, everybody. Yeah. We are going to be having lots of excellent Pride content coming your way this month. And we are going to be doing another coming out episode this year. We've already gotten a few emails and stories from you all. And we need more. So if you would like to send us your story, please email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. Please let us know if you would like to remain anonymous and we will honor that. We won't share your name or your identity. Um, You can also go to our Facebook group page and chat with the other listeners and go to the business page and give us a like and a review. And if you love us and you want more people to find our show, the best way for you to help us is to go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review and write why you love us. We appreciate it so, so much when you do. And you will be featured on our Instagram for Reviews Day Tuesday. All right, that's all we got for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you... To rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.